This week we saw the passing of two 20th century icons, uh, Hank Aaron, the fantastic baseball player, Major League Baseball player, the home run king. Uh, and I love to read biographies. So I did a little reading about Hank Aaron. He was uh, raised in a very poor family. Uh, he was a gifted athlete and he had a real passion for baseball, but his family couldn't even buy him the equipment to practice. And so he took the limbs of trees uh, as, a, as bats and he took uh, bottle caps and he would practice throwing them in the air and, and, and hitting those bottle caps because he had such a passion for, for baseball. Little did he know that he would become one of the greatest ever. Uh, we also saw the passing of Larry King. Larry King uh, hosted the show Larry King Live on CNN for 25 years and what a fantastic show that he had. Larry was always known for, for letting people share their opinions, whether they were on the left or the right or whether they were guilty or innocent. Larry would let you have your say, and uh, people loved him for that. Uh, my favorite interview, though, that he did was with Miss Piggy and Kermit. Did you guys see that one? That, that, that was like the apex, man, of Larry King. Uh, both these guys died. Larry, though, grew up in a very poor family as well. His father died when he was nine years old of a sudden heart attack, and his mom was on welfare, and he was able to, to, to succeed and to rise up from some really difficult circumstances. And, you know, when you read biographies of people, you feel encouraged. You feel strengthened. It kind of gives some insight maybe into to your life and maybe to your situation. And today I want to share with you a biography from a man of God. His name is Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha is perhaps the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, one of the greatest. He performed more than 30 different miracles. The only person that did more miracles than Elisha was the Lord Jesus. I mean, Elisha was a walking miracle. Everywhere he went, the power of God just, you know, all over the place. And there's a title that was given to Elisha. He was called the man of God. Now, in the scriptures, titles are very important. We've been in this series called uh, Nearsighted. We've been talking about looking at our life through the lens of being close to God. We've talked about Abraham, who was the friend of God. We've talked about David, who was the man after God's own heart. We've talked about Enoch, the man that walked with God. But today we're going to talk about Elisha, the man of God. Why is he called the man of God? Well, it's because he walked so closely with the Lord. He had such an intimacy, such a connectivity with the Lord. And this emboldened and empowered Elisha to do great and fantastic and miraculous things. And I want us to look at his life from one particular story, perhaps uh, one of the most famous stories of his life. In 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Look with me if you would beginning in verse 9. Um, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Armenians are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on that place indicated by the man of God. And time and again Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? 
None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Whoa! Did you see it? The armies of Aram are trying to take out the king and the armies of Israel. And they're chasing, they're chasing the king around. And every time they think that they have him cornered. Oh, we got him now. He's, he's over here. He slips through. To the point that the king of Aram thinks that one of his own officers is a spy for the nation of Israel. And he even says to, to, to his inner council, to his cabinet, to his generals, Hey guys, look, which one of you is, is giving away our position? And one of the officers says, Hey, listen, Mr. King. It's not one of us. It's the man of God. It's Elisha. Elisha knows everything, man. In fact, he even hears what you say in your own bedroom. Wow. You see, Elisha was a man of God. And he walked with God in such, such closeness that, that he was able to hear the voice of God. And I want you to write these three things down there on your outline. Because if we want to draw closer to God, we got to listen to God more closely. we got to listen to God more closely. Have you ever wondered, how do I make this decision? Is, is this the right decision or is that the right decision? Is this the voice of God or is this the voice of myself? Is this my desire or is this what the devil's telling me? Or is this the bad Chinese food that I had last night? What is this? How can we really know? How can we really know what God is saying to us? And uh, chapter 6 verse 12 reminds us that nothing is hidden from God. I mean, you know, we think sometimes that God doesn't know certain things or that, or that he only knows these things are these details, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> God knows it all. There are no surprises to the Lord. Did you know that? That's why he's so fantastic. That's why we ought to spend more time with him because God knows it all. And uh, there is nothing that God doesn't know. And God instructs people who listen. Look at Psalm 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. If you want to know the secrets of God, you want to know the thoughts of God, you want to know the wisdom of God, be a person who, who fears God, who reverences him, who respects him. Christian people are better at talking than we are listening. Amen? I mean, we love to talk, don't we? We love to talk. People love to share. People love to talk about themselves. People love to share their opinions. People love to talk about their ideas. But I wonder what our spiritual life would be like if we spent a little bit more time listening. Maybe listening to what God is saying to us rather than us telling God what he's supposed to be doing. Like, Lord, I, this is a lot of our prayer life. Lord, I need you to hurry up. God, this wasn't the plan. God, can you get it in, in high gear? And it's easier to talk. It's harder to listen. It's harder to be quiet. It's harder to be still. Busyness can be the very thing that keeps us from hearing 
what God is saying to us. Now, if you look at the book of, of, of Samuel, 1 Samuel, you, you find uh, the little boy Samuel. He, he's, he's being raised by Eli, the, the priest. And one night, God speaks to him. And he goes in and he thinks that it's Eli, the priest. And he goes down the hall and he's like, hey, Eli, did you call me? No, that wasn't, that wasn't me. Go back to bed, Samuel. And this happens three times. And finally, Eli says, you know what? That's the voice of God. Isn't it interesting that God is speaking to this little boy in, in the middle of the night when he is rested, when he is quiet, when he is still? Did you know that God will speak to you in the quiet moments, in the still moments, more than he will speak to you in the loud, boisterous, busy moments? There is just something about being still and, and being relaxed when it comes to hearing from God. And so maybe you, you could change your schedule or maybe you should change your routine or some of the things that you're, that you're doing right now so you could just be still with God and hear his voice. Hear what he's saying to you. I, when God is speaking to me, oftentimes the same things get repeated over and over again. Have you ever had this happen? Maybe you read a Bible passage, um, you went to church, and the, and then the sermon or the message was, was about the same thing you were reading about that morning. And then a Christian friend sent you a text or, or you read something online and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm starting to get this. You know, like this is the Lord. God will oftentimes affirm what he's saying by, by saying it over and over. And I think we're a little slow sometimes. Like we need the Lord to, to be kind of persistent with us, don't we? Listen to those repeated messages. Listen, listen to the same things that God is, is saying over. Listen, when you're close to God, God can whisper. God can whisper in your ear. God only has to scream when you're running the other direction. <laughs> so when we're close to God, God doesn't have to try very hard to direct us because we're listening. We're, we're attuned to what his message is for our life. This is Elisha. Elisha is consistently, regularly updating the king of Israel about his position. Now just think about that for just a moment. I mean, this is awesome. This is amazing. The prophet is giving military counsel and advice to the king. How is that possible? Because he hears from God. I'll tell you, you may not know about everything, but if you know God, you will know what you need to know. You'll know the things that you need to know about because you know God. And it'll take you a lot further than you think. Um, God's message for us always lines up with his word. So the Holy Spirit, these are like two pieces, two tracks of a train. I got the word of God and I have the spirit of God. And when the spirit of God and the word of God are moving in the same direction, we can be certain that what God is saying to us is a reality. So the spirit of God will never say something to us that contradicts the word of God and vice versa. So if you have a, an, a spiritual inkling, you have an idea, you know, you can look in the scripture and say, does this, does this contradict what God has said? No. Then maybe this is what the Lord's saying to me. And by the way, God's given us a great gift in the Bible. Amen. Come on now. 
Did you know through much of, of Christian history, people have not had Bibles? I mean, not like they do today. It wasn't until the 1500s, until the printing press was developed, that people had Bibles. And then and, then and only then did very few people have Bibles because they were so expensive to, to print. If you're a Christian, you probably got several Bibles at home. I was talking with somebody just in the lobby a minute ago who's a relatively new Christian, and she's like, I have five Bibles, you know? And I was like, that's awesome. I was like, look, you got a little flathead screwdriver, you have a big flathead screwdriver. You have a drill, right? You have a hammer. You have a whatever it is. That's what, that's what God's word is for your life. You got a toolbox. God's given us a great gift, hadn't he? Wow. That's how we hear God. We, we study his word. We listen to his spirit. And the reason we have to do that is because sometimes we hear things that are not what God's saying to us. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dearly loved friends, don't always believe everything you hear just because somebody says it's a message from God. Amen. Just because somebody says they're spiritual. Just because somebody says it's from the Lord doesn't always mean that it is. Test that thing, he says. Test it. Test it. And the more that we know God, the more we'll hear his voice. And hearing the voice of God is not the voice of fear. So which voice are we listening to? The voice of fear, the voice of God. Now, as the story progresses, look at this in verse 13. So the king said, go see where he is so I can send men to capture him and when he, was, when he was told, Elisha is in Dothan. Okay, so the king of Aram's like, oh, I got this all figured out. We found Elisha. He's over there in Dothan. Let's go get him. I mean, let's kill him. And then we'll be able to take out the, the army of Israel. The king's like, I'm a genius. I've got this all figured out. So the army marches over to this place called Dothan. The only other time I can think of in the Bible, the place called Dothan, is it was the place that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. If you know the story, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. They threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. And then at the last second, they decided to, sell, to be compassionate and to sell him as a slave. So they sell him as a slave. He... Is bought by a man by, by the name of Potiphar. He rises, the hand of God's on him. He becomes the top servant of Potiphar. But Joseph has an Achilles heel. He's a really good looking, hunky dude. Women swoon in his presence, you know? Joseph's the best looking guy in the Bible. And the wife of Potiphar tries to have an affair with him, and he won't do it. And when he won't commit adultery, she falsely accuses him. He's now in prison. Wait a second. God, I thought things were going better for me. God, have you abandoned me? God, have you left me? God, have you not heard my prayers? God, where you been? He's in prison for a few years. He interprets the dream of a butler. Years later, that man is consulting with the Pharaoh who needs the interpretation of a dream. And he says, you know what? I forgot about this guy, but there's this guy over in the prison. His name is Joseph and he can help. And the rest of the story is over. Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt and becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh. It was there at Dothan that 
this, this great story began to, to be told. And I wonder, I wonder if Joseph ever started to give up hope or ever began to think that maybe God wasn't with him. But you know, God is always there. God is always fighting for us. Even when we can't hear the footsteps of angels or the rumble of chariots, we know that God is always with us. Joseph could look back over the history of his life and see the hand of God. But he probably didn't feel it in the moment. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're like, hey man, what's God doing? What's God doing? Remember this, the Lord is always with you. The Lord is always with you. Even when you're not feeling it, the Lord is always with you. He really is. And Elisha begins to experience this, this same encounter with God that Joseph understood is, as we uh, read about this capture or this attempted capture um, of the king of Aram. You see, God wants us to listen more closely to what he's saying, but he also wants us to see more clearly. Now, an unusual thing begins to happen. When the servant of the man of God got up and he went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now don't you know the servant's like, okay, Elisha, like, what in the world are you talking about? It's me and you, buddy, and there's a whole army. What are you talking about? There's more of us than there is of them. But check out what the prophet does. Elisha prays, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. An angelic army was surrounding Elisha and his servant. And when Elisha had his eyes opened, he began to see he wasn't alone. Did you know that God has given us angels, ministering spirits that attend to our own needs? You're not alone. God has angels that are all around you. You're not forgotten. Joseph had angels with him when he was in that, that pit. When they were going to kill him. You have angels that are all around you. Be encouraged today. What we need to do is to begin to see with the eye of faith. We need to pray what Elisha prayed. Lord, open our eyes. You see, what we need is a better perspective. What we need to do is see what God is doing in and around our lives so that we have a clear perspective of what he wants us to do. Uh, physical vision problems are common. About 75% of all adults wear glasses. Some of us have had LASIK eye surgery. Maybe you have contact lenses or maybe you wear glasses. I get a headache when I'm reading and I don't have glasses. You know, far more, far more uh, problematic than physical, physical sight is our spiritual sight. It would be far worse to be blind than to not be able to see in the spiritual realm and to see what God says. And you may think, well, Pastor, I've never seen an angel. I've never seen an angel before, but I know that they're there. I know they're there. 
And sometimes seeing in the spiritual realm is not just seeing an angel sitting in your living room. Sometimes being able to see things from a spiritual perspective is being able to see things from God's viewpoint. It's being able to put circumstances that have happened in your life for you to see God's pattern and God's plan. Maybe things didn't make make sense at the time, but you look back and you're like, okay, maybe this is what God was doing. Or maybe you're looking at some current circumstances and you're looking at the Word of God and you're feeling the promptings of the Holy Spirit and you're thinking, you know, I think this is what God wants me to do. I I think this is the right thing. Um, Don't feel like you have to have some encounter like Elisha and the the servant um, to know that God's with you. God's always with you. He's always with you. And the servant was spiritually blind, but Elisha helped him see with the eye of faith. Notice he says there, don't be afraid. See, the number one emotion that we begin to feel when we're not seeing what we want to see is fear. God wants us to replace fear with faith. Fear with faith. Fear with faith. And he saw that angelic army that was there. Um, God is more with you than you think he is. God's more with us than we think he is. Uh, Warren Wearsby, the um, Bible commentator, he said this about this passage. When God's servants are in his will doing his work, they are immortal until their work is done. Come on, somebody, drop the microphone. Did you? When you're doing the will of God, you are immortal until God says, game over. You cannot be stopped. So let's don't let fear and intimidation and doubt dominate our decision making. Listen, what decisions are you making today only because of fear? What decisions are you not making because you don't have the faith? Remember this, God is is more with you than you think he is. That's the lesson right here, 2 Kings chapter 6. What you see is not necessarily what is. (laughs) We want to see with the eye of faith. God is doing so much more than you think he's doing. Can you just imagine that that, that servant looking around and he's like, all over the mountain, chariots of fire and, and angels and, wow, let's go to battle. Let's do it. Bring it on, <laughs> armies of Aram. God has a different plan, though. Prayer is the thing that opens our eyes. That's what Elisha did. Elisha's like, we need to pray. God, let him see. We need to be praying that for ourselves. Listen, if you're trying to counsel somebody that doesn't get it, so to speak, pray, God, open their eyes. God, help them to see. Help them to see it, Lord. Maybe you tried to explain it to them and they didn't get it. Lord, open their eyes. Help him to see it. Help her to see it. Whew. Spiritual sight is 10,000 times more important than physical sight. And God reminds us we're never alone. With God, all things are possible. Faith is greater than fear. And I love Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he rescues them. What if you believe that over every failure and every accident or over every broken relationship 
or rejected job application, there was a band of angels of God's love surrounding you as you execute God's perfect will for your life. How would that begin to change things? How would it begin to change the way that we feel? That's why Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Lord, let them see. Let the Ephesian church see. And what do they need to see? Look at this. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. In other words, God is a lot bigger than you think he is. Lord, just let us have a let us have a greater perspective of who you already are. The chariots of fire are all around us. The angels are with us. Come on, Lord. Nothing is impossible for him. And when we see in the spirit, we're reminded that nothing can separate us from the love of God and that if God's for me, no, nothing, nothing can be against me and that all things work together for the good, for those who are, love God and are called according to his purposes. Now, when, when my wife was a ninth grader, one day she and her sister got some food poisoning and they stayed home from school. And they cuddled up in their mom's bed in the master bedroom where her parents normally slept. They watched TV. They were relaxing. They were just trying to feel better. You know, they had too much Burger King the night before. And they heard the doorbell ring. So they, they kind of were curious. That was unusual. They looked to the peephole. They saw a young guy there that they didn't know, so they didn't answer the door. They went back to bed and didn't think anything of it. Well, about 10 or 15 minutes later, they heard the breaking of glass. And then the dog started barking like crazy. So they quickly called their mom. Mom, we think somebody's breaking into the house. Mom said, turn on some praise and worship music in the bedroom. <laughs> that sounds just like my mother-in-law. It's awesome. Turn on some worship music and shut the door, she said. All right, I'll be there as quick as I can. So her mom tells her secretary, call the police. She's driving home like a wild maniac trying to get there. And after hearing the gla glass break a little bit more, they hear footsteps, the door opens, and it's the same guy that had rang the doorbell. He was a burglar. He was going to steal from their house. And he looked in, and Gina and Ginger were there, cuddled up on the bed, you know, trying to console each other. And they're like, what's going to happen? And the guy said these words, Lord God Almighty. And he turned around and shut the door. And he never came back. Now this guy was not religious. But he saw something that day. And he saw something and it wasn't two 15 year old young girls in their mama's bedroom. Oh, I think he saw something a lot more majestic. Boy, we need God. We need God to show us, don't we? We need God to reveal himself to us. We need to be praying for ourselves. God, give me spiritual sight. Help me to see what I've never seen before, God, so I can do what I've never done before. Lord God Almighty.
We want to see more clearly. We want to also feel more deeply. We want to help people find the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, the name of our church, people ask me, Pastor, why is it called Edge Church? The reason we named our church Edge Church is because we're reaching people that are on the edge. Did you know that? Some of you have been coming here for a while. You didn't know that. Reaching people on the edge. That's, that's the mission of Jesus is what that is. Now this story is about reaching people that are on the edge. And this story is about to take a right turn that nobody could see. I love the Bible because the Bible is so unpredictable. I mean, the moment you think, oh, I got this story figured out, I know what Elisha the prophet's going to do. He's going to call down some fire from heaven and smoke the bad guys, you know? No! Let's see where this thing, it goes a totally different direction, okay? It's not going where you think it's going. Look at this right here. Verse 21, when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them, my father? Now, Elisha strikes the army with, with blindness and he leads them to Samaria, which is the capital city. And now the king of Israel has the whole army of Aram in his presence. He can do whatever he wants to do to him. Okay? When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? I mean, he asked twice. He's like, sharpen the swords, guys. Let's go. Let's, let's take, these guys have been terrorizing us. Let's take them out. Look what he says. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Did you see that? They didn't execute all of them. They didn't put them in jail. They threw a party. I mean, they brought out the finest wine and the biggest, fattest cattle and the chickens and whatever they had in the ancient world. I mean, this was awesome. They had karaoke. This was a party, man. Wait a second. These were the people a few verses before that were trying to take you out. And Elisha blinded them because he wanted them to see that the problem was that they didn't have the right sight. But then he opened their eyes, and when he opened their eyes, they saw mercy and grace. And this is one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel that we find in the Old Testament. See, look at this right here. Um, we all are like the armies of Aram. We have broken God's law. We were blinded, we were guilty, we deserved death, but we received grace and now God has welcomed us to his table. I mean, the table throughout scripture is, is a representation of community, of acceptance, of communion. 
That's why the, the, the wedding supper of the Lamb over in Revelation chapter 19 is the big feast that all believers in Christ are going to gather at at the end of time. So suppers and festivals and parties are very biblical. And they are expressions of grace and mercy. I'm thinking of another party, Luke 15, the prodigal son. When he came back to the father, what did they do? They killed the fatted calf, right? They put a ring on his finger. They cranked up the music, hallelujah. They had a party. And so the mercy and the grace of God is seen in this. And you know what? That same mercy and that same grace has been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ who died on a cross, who rose from the grave on the third day, and he did so because he loved you. He loved you. He had a purpose for you. We were on a path of blindness. We were on the path of destruction. But God, who is rich in mercy and rich in grace, reached down out of heaven and allowed us to see, hallelujah, and that's why we've been transformed. That's the good news of all. That's the best news of all. So what's your biography? What can we learn from this man of God? We ought to listen more closely. We ought to see more clearly. We want to feel more deeply. And we can do all of that when Jesus has our hearts. Will you bow with me for a prayer?